If you look at any number of self-help or getting started GovCon videos on social media platforms like YouTube and Instagram, you may see an enticing ad or two offering to help you make millions in GovCon. And it's true. Teaming, which is often the proposed strategy and is encouraged and frequently used growth mechanism in the government contracting space. However, this commonly used mechanism is not as easily leveraged as the ads make them seem. And the potential to be rejected is very real. Today, we're going to hear a story about how one small business founder's repeated rejection turned a corner towards success. A tried and true story of, if at first you don't succeed. Welcome to Unveil GovCon Stories, where we explore the experience and share the stories of small businesses in government contracting to spotlight the often sugar-coated or avoided discussions that speak to the reality of doing business within the U.S. public sector as a small business. On this episode, we're joined by Romeo Gardner III, CEO and founder of Nilos, a small cybersecurity firm headquartered in Stafford, Virginia. Their core competencies include cybersecurity and risk management framework, where they focus on federal and commercial clients. Romeo is a certified CISSP, which is Certified Information System Security Professional, with over 20 years of experience in the IT field, including working at the White House Communication Agency, WACA, supporting President George Bush Jr., President Barack Obama, multiple vice presidents, and White House staff. Recruited from the White House, Romeo went to Microsoft as an engineer working in various roles for the organization before founding his own company to work with Microsoft as a partner and reseller. His mantra, to be a conduit over a container, supports his passion in being an adjunct professor at the University of Mary Washington in Fredericksburg, Virginia, teaching cybersecurity focusing on CISSP exam by ISC2. Fun fact, talk about dropping that beat. Our guest, Romeo, was a music education major. Who knew? Romeo, thank you for being brave, pulling back the curtain, and sharing your GovCon story with us. So tell us your GovCon story. So, um, as I was at Microsoft, thank you for having me. I, and this is a story that's near and dear to my heart, of course. As I was at Microsoft and leaving Microsoft, I flew out to Seattle, dropped my laptop off. I was thinking to myself, I'm going to be moving in this government space. I thought I had a contract secured. I'm taking a few people with me. And as I was in the airport, I got a call from the person at the company I was supposed to be dealing with. And generally, when you get a call, you can tell when somebody wants to tell you something. So I said, you know what? Hey, just go ahead and spit it out. I'm, I'm okay. And she said, we still want to work with you on this contract. However, our customer pulled out of this contract. So we don't have work for you and the folks that you're bringing with. Now, that was a blow to me. And it hurt partially because folks told me, don't leave. I'm not sure why you're leaving. Don't do this. To include my wife said, look, I love you. I just don't think this is the right time to leave. I'm not saying don't do it. It's just not the right time. So embarrassment was there. I got to go home. It, it's not working out. And that was a long flight back to DC. <laughs> it was a very long flight back to DC. So I get home. And I got a call one day from someone who said, hey, you've done some training with us before. Would you like to come back and do some more training? And I asked her, what made you call me? 
it's been seven or eight years since we've had contact. And she said, for some reason, I was supposed to call you. There's only one catch, though. I need you to have your own company so you can partner with us. And then you can invoice us. I said, this is the reason. <laughs> this fell into place. So the name Nilos is a derivative of ex nihilo, meaning from or out of nothing. Because at that moment, I didn't have anything planned out. It There was nothing there. And as I began to train, I met different people that got me on the path to meeting more folks to do business within the federal government. And that is really how we started this, this business within the federal government. That's, that's pretty amazing. Again, thank you for joining us on our, our podcast today. And, and it's, it's just such an interesting story because for, for small businesses, for GovCon, especially those in the services industry, it can feel almost impossible to make significant growth, especially without the kinds of relationships that you need. Um, you hear people time and time again say it's not what you know, but who you know. And me being kind of the rebel of my family in any place I can go, I'm always poking <laughs> at things. I'm like, eh, whatever. It's, you know, what you know matters. You can't just be in the space and not know anything about what you're doing. And the older I get and the more I work around different kinds of people, I mean, in any number of facets of GovCom work, services and product included time and time again, those relationships that have been built more often than I'd like to admit Trump necessarily what you know. I've met some brilliant people that had a really hard time getting anywhere because they had no network, they had no support system, they had no relationships that they had formed over the course of their tenure in government service. And as a small business, again, while it pains me to admit the adage is an adage for a reason, um, and your story, unbeknownst to me, fell right into <laughs> that same kind of that same line. And that, that's amazing. And I don't want to at all take away from the reputation that you had to have built, obviously, for someone to reach out to you seven years later and, and ask that you continue to participate in work. But for, for some of those small businesses that maybe haven't formed those kinds of relationships yet, I know it almost feels like you're swiping right, like you're almost on a, on a dating app trying to make that connection. And let's let's continue with this dating analysis. Because um, <laughs> all of our listeners know, once I pull a thread, I got to run with my analogies. <laughs> They're my favorite. I love analogies. So, in that in that same kind of vein of thought, as you swipe, you you eventually come across someone that you think is going to be a great relationship, and so you reach out. And sometimes you get ghosted. Sometimes they respond, but they're like, hey, sorry, I looked at your profile. I'm not interested. And I hate to oversimplify it, but I mean, a small businesses, it sometimes kind of feels that same way when you're faced with rejection. You thought you had a contract set up. You thought you had everything inked and the government pulls funding. I mean, that's not a malicious activity. It is just the nature of the beast. I mean, among those things, um, when you're setting out on this journey, especially as a small business, you'll see that securing government contracts is a challenge, not just from a funding perspective, but also from a competitive perspective, um, regulatory requirements. I mean, you are certified in security, so you know the, the, the way that this story can go when you don't have necessarily the right understanding of compliance and, and security requirements in government work. 
um, security clearances to be able to get certain jobs as a small business bear a lot of costs. So, I mean, I can go on with the, the laundry list of things that may result in a rejection, but my question to you as we kind of jump into this is what do you believe some of those, in your experience, some of the sources or reasons for those rejections? I mean, I've named a couple, but I'm sure as you've transitioned your company and continue to grow, what are some of the other things that small businesses can almost expect to see um, that you've learned, that you've kind of experienced and grown from? So I'm glad you actually asked that question. I learned a very hard lesson getting into this GovCon space. So what I hear a lot, and I mentor some folks, and, and I did the same thing myself, going into the GovCon space, you know what, I'm going to start this business. And I even started looking in Sam and I found some contracts that I could go after. Do you know any of these people? Do you, <laughs> do you know someone who is, do you have a relationship there? And that's what I learned. <laughs> that's what I really learned. So first real lesson in rejection, I went after a specific contract and began talking to the person who would make that decision around procurement. And they talked to me. Now, you talked about dating, right? The dating apps and things like that. So imagine if you found someone you wanted to date, but you didn't date them. You just went up to them and said, hey, let's get in a four-year relationship right now. <laughs> four years off the bat, right? Let's get in this relationship for four years or better yet, five years, five-year contract. Let's get in this relationship right now we're not going to talk about anything else. You just look at me. I'm going to look at you. You like what you see? Let's do it. Five years. Go. Ready? Bat. Breaks. Let's do it. Yes. That's that's ex essentially what is happening. So the procurement officer talked to me and, and very candidly said, I like your services and I like you, but no one knows you and we don't have a relationship with you either. That was my first lesson. And they said, I, I want you to develop a relationship here with us. But right now, you don't have any past performance. No one knows really what you do. You don't have any relationships here. But I do like your services, but you just don't have a relationship with us. Cultivate that, and then we can talk later. And that, to me, really took it back to your dating analogy. I do need to kind of court them and talk with them on a regular basis. Check in, give that, hey, how you doing this morning? <laughs> I got to send that good morning text, right? I need to be in there to talk with them on a regular basis to find out their challenges, to find out those types of things versus just going in seeing, okay, this is a contract I can go after. Very hard lesson. I didn't take it personal, but it did hurt. And I learned, I learned my lesson so that when I do put my energy into going after something, it's someone that I do have a relationship with, that I, I can really manage that and understand that having that relationship is even more important to me. Because once I have a relationship with them, I want to make that better for you because I care about you and where you're at in the organization. So that rejection hurt, but I it's hard not to take things personal. I try it. It is incredibly difficult <laughs> not to take things personal. So much so, and tangent warning, um, <laughs> so much so that I actually had to look up the definition of rejection versus failure. 
because they are different. And that failure component is very emotional and very personal, whereas rejection is typically sourced by external factors. But because it hits so hard, I had to, I had to do some double checking. But thank you for that. I mean, that is a critical lesson. I think something that Tasha and I say time and time again to a lot of our customers, time and time again to the small businesses we work with, that relationships, they're they're huge. They're incredibly important. Yeah. And it's fortunate that the small business representative that spoke to you, even though was very direct with uh, the fact that you had not courted them and no one knew who you were. (laughs) So kick rocks. They said they like you. They like your services. Um, sometimes you don't get that. And and sometimes you don't get that direct response. All you get is a ghosting, you know. And I think it's very important to let people know that the small business offices work really hard. Sometimes, you know, they may be understaffed and don't have enough people and they're getting hundreds, if not thousands of, of calls, emails, text messages. If somebody's found a number, a cell phone number or something a week. And so, you know, stuff falls through the cracks. It's just something that happens. And sometimes like the focus is where the fire is and your services may not be uh, near that fire or part of that, a solution for that fire. So I would say, don't take it personal, even if it feels and may sometimes be personal, don't take it personal and and have an awareness and, and be flexible enough to be, you know, to consider that there's other reasons other than the person don't like you or it's or it's or it's something against you with that said in the small industrial base itself as we've established it's very difficult to navigate but as we have seen and and see in most scenarios where this is a negative impact for minority owned and disadvantaged demographics the impact is usually exponentially worse so i Notice that there have been many policy changes, broad cybersecurity obligations being imposed. We've seen uh, the 8A program get frozen because of the rebuttal presumption. We've, we, the JV rule changes that also could have an impact where the experience or past performance sim- has to be similarly situated. These are all things that are happening that could be of benefit in some ways, but create just as many barriers, limitations, like for example, the JV program, I mean, the JV rule, that particular situation can create a scenario where a new entrant or a company that had, I would say, smaller scope of past performance, and it may not be commiserate or competitive for the, the size contract, even if it's a small smaller contract, like 1 million, 1.2 million or something to that effect, because they may have started as an independent consultant. And so their past performance is more around that two to $400,000 range, right? And so they may have been considering a JV as a strategy to build past performance and strengthen and partner with another company, but now it's gonna be that much more difficult potentially for them to partner because of the concern about how the past performance would be evaluated and them needing to have that similarly situated past performance. So I understand, uh, you know, uh, SBA and government authors who are responsible for complying um, with whether it's a court ruling or some type of decision change or GAO. I understand that. However, it seems like we always are getting the short end of the stick when it comes to small businesses and definitely those who are in, you know, disadvantaged communities. And with that, 
my question is, as a small business, how are you pivoting to ensure that you remain qualified to do business in GovCon with these ever-growing barriers and the changing rules and regulations? Really good question. To ensure that we remain competitive, it's important for us and the team to continue to look at not only cybersecurity rules that are changing or compliance, um, such as CMMC, which is coming up very soon. We keep a keen eye on the policies that are in draft or how they're moving along, what's going to be the impact to not only our business, but just government contractors as a whole or those that do business with the government. So it's a lot of research. It takes a lot of time. It's a lot of reading and strategy in terms of, okay, if this were to happen tomorrow, what is our plan? So there's a plan A, then there's a plan B, then there's a plan C, and we do have to come up with multiple avenues of how we're going to address these things. So if this happened tomorrow, we could do this, or we could do this, or we could do that. And that I believe is something that helps me sleep at night. Mm -hmm. I don't sleep if there is something out there and I don't have a plan. That is what worries me and concerns me when we're not looking at the future and planning for the future. It's very difficult because I then I start to think about it in my sleep. Then I think about it doing mundane things, taking out the trash, uh, taking a shower, washing dishes. Now I, I can't shut it off because I haven't talked through the plan with everybody to at least feel better about it. So to remain competitive and stay on these types of things, we have these conversations on a regular basis and come up with a plan. Even if the plan may not be the best, I feel better if we got a plan. So that's, I agree with that. that's really how I feel. And and how do you keep up though with the volume? Because man, I tell you lately, it's it's been nonstop and it's nuanced, it seems, because different, in addition to like broadcasted changes, especially with the cybersecurity rules, even the, the specific agencies are having their own little you know, requirements that are just, that are a little bit different and it's, it's for a small business, just keeping up. So what are some, like, what are some of the sources that you use to um, just stay abreast of the changes that are happening and how do you balance delivering, doing business development, you know, managing resources, being out there marketing along with pulling all this information and making all these plans to the plans to be able to pivot. That's another good question. I don't do it alone and I can't do it alone. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it alone. So there are, I go to multiple sites on a regular basis, feeds um, that I'll take a look at. In addition to my network is a huge impact for me. Things like podcasts like this that talk about these types of things, right? LinkedIn, my network in general, the folks that I turn to and talk about different situations. I and know one of them. I do too. GI, what, what, what's the, we got to call her out on here. GI, Mike, my, my, <laughs> Michelle Gardner Ince. <laughs> yes. Michelle is my family friend. That's a real friend. And I've known Michelle for over 30 years. She's a wealth of knowledge at the VA right now. She has very good guidance, especially for women-owned businesses. So if you don't know her or you haven't heard of her, 
there's a plug there. Um, <laughs> she, she gets a lot of information and she, she helps me out as well, keeping abreast and introducing me to other folks. The network, as you all mentioned, she introduces me to a lot of different folks that help to give me information on what might be coming or what I might need to take a look at. So the network is a big part feeds, different websites. So it's a conglomerate of a lot of different things that help me to see different paths and just opinions from different folks. What do they think is going to happen? Because that also helps me to plan. Maybe there's something that I did not see or hear that I might take into and ingest and then bring that back to my team and say, is this something that we thought about? I had no idea that this was even a possibility. So maybe this is something that we want to talk about and plan for this as well. Those are all excellent points. Um, and it, it, while a lot of it gets back to relationships, there's a significant component of, of strategy and planning. You have to know partly where you came from to know where you're trying to get to, which is, mm -hmm. I guess, today I'm on adages and, and, and sayings as well. But I mean, these things are around for a reason because they do, they do matter. These statements, and they have applicability across so many different lines of work and industries. And, and you keep kind of hitting on that, which is, I think, awesome information and a good reminder for our listeners. On the other side of that spectrum, what do you think could be done to improve opportunities? So you're taking your team, doing your part with your relationships, trying to stay on top of all this information. But if you had the magical pot of gold on the other side of the rainbow, um, what would be some of the recommendations or things that you would think would help improve access to opportunities for small businesses? Maybe streamline some of these processes, ideas that maybe you guys even as a team have tossed around. It would be like, man, it would be great if X, Y, Z, or we had this kind of resource. I know I'm asking you this on the fly, not exactly part of the script, but some of the things on the top of your head. So we've thought about this. Some some things would be how people respond. So we have gotten ghosted so many times. It's just, it's difficult. Tracked responses possibly to where there's a portal that it's more visible. When people have eyes on things, people tend to respond because they have to be accountable to something. So if I'm accountable to respond to you, which this could... I, I understand that this could get out of hand as well because there's thousands of people, but responding back to those who you are interested in, that could help the situation. Or if you've ever applied for a, a job and they said, hey, you know what? We appreciate you, but we're not looking for this at this specific time. I'd appreciate that. Well, thank you. I thank you for the reply. You let me know you're not looking for it, but maybe in FY24, third quarter, which some of that is in forecasting too, but just the, the human touch of it versus it being so black and white. And I understand that that could pose an issue, but I, that would help me out because I am more of a, Hey, can you get back to me on this? Can you just tell me, just let me know. That's why I appreciated it so much when someone said, I like your services and I like you, but we don't have a relationship. That's, that's important to me. So just getting those types of messages back. Yeah, I, I, I would say, so I'm a, I'm a big pusher in this, on this particular point. And when I would go to small business events, and even now when I go to small business events, you know, I, I push back on some of the talk track that you tend to hear at a lot of the small business events, because there tends to be a natural lean that any issues that's happening is on the is heavily on the fault of the small business and you hear a lot of 
praise and back patting, which I, I think you definitely have to celebrate the wins. But coming from the small business offices and the large businesses about meeting numbers and how many smalls they've helped and having their successful small business up, up there to tell their story. And I think we do need those, but I think it does a disservice when that is the standard and it becomes the de facto talk track for these small business events and they don't get into the reality of what's happening. And the numbers tell the truth. The numbers of how many small businesses that are doing business with the U.S. government, the constant decline, and it's not like 10%. It's not 5%. It's not even 20%. I mean, it's over, what is it, two, 200%, 300% decline in 10 years? Yeah, it's years. like a year-on-year, year-on-year decline. Yep. The, the, yeah. The, cumul- the cumulative is insane. It's insane. And when you mm-hmm. start breaking down and looking at ethnic demographics and where the dollars are going in relation to the number of people in, in like in that demographic within the country and then businesses that they have and then procurement dollars from government, it gets even crazier. And to have situations like what we have right now with this latest ruling that freezes a program that's intended to help and support is just another one of those, you know, is it's just another mouth agape, like what in the world is going on and pushing back to the small business offices to say, thank you for what you do. Yes, you guys are doing a lot of good work, but maybe you should be measuring different metrics that ensures more equity, measuring not only how many small business calls you took, but how many did you respond to? How many did you refer to the program office? Uh, Different types of metrics that actually show an engagement and return, like what was the conversion rate? How many new entrants do you have? And there's some policies that's getting into that. But for me, that those that's a sticking point in an area that I really wish the government would do a better job, tangibly do a better job with and make it for service-based businesses. Because a lot of the effort, I think where there is you know, some pretty good growth with different types of programs and engagement is more on the innovation side. And it's more for like potentially venture backable startup type businesses mm-hmm. and product companies, but the service companies are definitely being left behind. Absolutely. And, and for our listeners, the, those that other have other suggestions or ideas around other areas where there could be improvements to the process, definitely drop that in the comments where we always welcome feedback from from everyone um, in terms of your experience and and where you could see improvements. I've I've worked on projects where the government has actually invested in using a lot of this data that they get back, feedback from different applications and and, and data ingestion points from the public to do some really interesting AI projects and machine learning projects to figure out how to automate things like responses to high volume intake systems um, or first responses and the number of agencies are investing in in things of that nature. Um, So for our small businesses out there, I mean, this is a a place to potentially pull in a thread, see if there's an opportunity to to help the small business offices with maybe just a data problem. We don't really know all the sources of the problems and we know there's a lot of folks out there doing their best to help, but we also as small businesses see the ramifications of that that the feel. issues that they're facing as well feel feel see, feel hear feel all of the all of the, all of the sensory <laughs> things we can taste it smell it feel it it hurts <laughs> all the things 
but yeah, we definitely want, we, we love feedback um, in terms of other ideas that you as out here listening in may have in terms of what can be done to improve access to opportunities. You know, we're, we're still on this thread of rejection and how, despite some of the efforts that may even be going on, when you don't hear back from someone, when you don't get a response, you don't get an email, or you get kind of the standard language at some of these conferences where it's like, yeah, we send out this information, just email us and we'll be sure to get back to you. Um, <laughs> if, you if you've been doing it long enough, it, it's like the end of the date where you know you won't hear from that person again, because <laughs> I wanted to bring that date thread back. Um, <laughs> it was good. That was good. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but here, here again, though, in that same situation, you do it enough times, you learn some tricks of the trade. You learn some things that maybe you shouldn't take everyone to the same restaurant. Um, maybe you, you should try a different approach. So, Romeo, what are some of those different approaches? What are some of those things you do to deal with that rejection, your, your bounce back? How do you get back into it? And, and pivot and kind of change your approach? Or do you change your approach? Or do you just kind of keep iterating? What, what do you do? How do you deal? Well, it depends on the rejection. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whether there was a no-show, whether it was a... <laughs> you know, uh, if it's a no-show uh, or I don't get anything back, I got to look at the message that I wrote. Um, was it something I said? Uh, was it something? <laughs> but generally, what I started to do is look at my network. Again, it, it goes back to relationships. And do I know anybody that's currently doing work there? And let me find out from them what they're doing. Do they know someone there that they can make the introduction for me? So I found out if you know someone, if you know someone, it's just like, I'll take it back to the dating thread. If you know someone and they make an introduction of someone to you, you're more likely to to find out that, okay, you're making this introduction so you feel comfortable enough to introduce me to this person. So I feel comfortable to talk with this person versus there's a cold intro. I'm going in hot. Hey, my name is Romeo. Is that really your name? <laughs> Question <laughs> <First> one. <laughs> Question one, is that, is that really your name? Because I don't, you know, I don't do the, the line so we can get past this really quickly. <laughs> so I, I've changed it to let me find out if I do know someone in my network that is working with a specific customer that's talking with them, um, that has worked with them in the past. Do they have folks that they could introduce me to? If not, is this a place where I want to go? Is this a place where I should go? What what does it look like from a small business perspective? All of those things help me to come up with a plan for, yes, this is something that I think we should go after. And then if I still get rejected, I got to look at, I got to look at my approach. What, what, what did I do wrong here? And that doesn't mean to give up specifically if that is where I truly feel that we should be. Now, there are some, some things that I went after and I was on the fence myself, fielded a couple things and, and felt like I didn't think I should have been there. And I was right. I shouldn't have been there. That's not a place where I wanted to be after I talked with a few folks. So that's that's really my approach. Mm -hmm. One, it depends on the rejection. And then two, I do tend to to find out within my network around different different places. Yeah, I like the the concept of now I know better. And y'all's had an interesting uh, quote. I'm going to go ahead and put it out there from Winston Churchill. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. 
It is the courage to continue that counts. So I would say bouncing back from, you know, rejection, as you've already uh, given us a few examples, taking stock and heed of your environment and acknowledging that it's not personal, leveraging your own network that you have, listening to others, not trying to do it all alone. Like there's there's all these things that you've we've discussed up to this point that help us to or can help our listeners understand like how we navigate in this space, how we navigate the rejection and the things that happen. I would say some people though may say, well, that's all, you know, that's all anecdotal. Can you give us an example or walk us through maybe one of the experiences you had in bouncing back from the rejection? Like what did that pivot look like for you? And how did it impact not only you, but your environment, your space, your people? Because I think sometimes we have in our minds, probably because of TV, <laughs> what rejection <laughs> is supposed to look, bouncing back from rejection is supposed to look like. And it's always a happy story. Sometimes it's not. So I'm curious if you could share with us for you in bouncing back from a rejection, what, what does that, what has that looked like with regards to government contracting? So um, there's quite a few, but uh, I'll pick one that I'll stick with the story that, you know, that same agency said, look, you know, no one knows you here. Um, we like what you, what you're selling, but no one knows you here. And it took me some time to think about that. What can I do to further integrate myself with folks? So I started going to different conferences for this agency, right? Showing up consistently. And that still didn't work. <laughs> still still got no traction. It still didn't work because I was listening to people that are like, <laughs> you know, they need to see you. They need to, you know, you got to be there and talk with the small business office, all these things. And I did those things and it still did not work. And conferences it, aren't free. They're not free. I'm so it's, glad you're was, saying this because you can go to five events, 10 events a day <laughs> for government contract, especially in the Beltway. Um, absolutely. And you just wasted all that time and money sometimes. Like, <laughs> I'm and, sorry. And it, it really felt like I was going nowhere. Like I'm showing up, the people, they know who I am. I felt like the person that just keeps showing up that you can't get rid of, mm. but everybody has to be nice to. I'm like, am I that guy? I I might be, I might be him. <laughs> so it and it it did not feel good. It felt bad. And I talked to a couple of colleagues and a and a mentor that said, Who do you know there? Who do you know? on a personal level. And I said, no one, absolutely no one. He said, are you sure? Are you sure? I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know anybody there. So I started to think back around the places that I've worked and I knew someone who worked there in the past. We had a conversation. They introduced me to a few more people. And this is, even though we're talking about it pretty quickly, this was over two years, two years time. I'm glad so you added that timestamp in there. That, that's <laughs> an important factor as well. We get a lot of people that are, I'm going to go in, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to win a contract. I'm like, you you very well may, but it will not be tomorrow. I can say that with a high level of certainty. Absolutely. 
So I'm yes. glad you added that timestamp so that people have a, a feel for this cycle of, of what this, this business development and capture type cycle really looks like. So this, this took two years, took a few years. And um, I was able to talk with a few people, work with the agency, just still establishing relationships. I got introduced to a few more people. And then I was introduced to the prime contractor that was working there. And we had a conversation. And he, I just flat out talked to him about, hey, is it possible that we can work with you to gain uh, a bit more relationship? I want to be upfront. I want, I'm trying to gain a relationship with this customer. And they said, you know what? Let's do that. I see where you're coming from. And I want to tell you something, Romeo. I'm going to do this because we do have a relationship and I like you. It's not always this easy though. <laughs> so it does not happen like this all the time. I don't want you to have a false sense of reality that this is going to continue to happen to you all the time. But some of these doors, you do not have the key to. Someone has to open it for you. And I'm trying to help you. And that is, that's how that story came into full circle. So by the prime contractor helping me out, we subcontracted there which turned into a better relationship. And I had more access to everybody that we could have these conversations. We talked a bit more. And then I saw the same person who had mentioned to me, Hey, no one knows you. And they said, I see your name has been coming up a lot. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is it <laughs> <laughs> who said it? Who said my name? <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. I, I like that. And the person goes, just just keep doing what you're doing because people are starting to notice the work because you got to be able to do the work. No matter what happens, deliver. you got to be able to do the work. You yeah. got to deliver on that. Absolutely. But you also have to know folks. And it seems like you're starting to establish a genuine relationship, not transaction, a genuine relationship here. Uh -huh. So I'm sure that we're going to be talking soon. That alone for me was like, Oh, I got the phone number. Oh, I got the number. I got the number. I'm in. Gave, I'm in. I gave me the number now. Now I'm texting. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Just give me a golf shirt now. I'm in. I'm in. So that that was, like I said, that's over two years time. That took a long time for that to happen. But if there is something that you really want to go after and you feel like this is the place you need to be, then 100%, I, I, I would say, stick with it because the rejection is going to come regardless. You, you, I truly believe that don't take it personal, but the rejection will be there. That doesn't mean that that's failure. In my opinion, it's just maybe not right now. I'm not going to give you the number right now. You know, I'm, maybe you're not ready. Maybe I'm not ready right now, but later on down the line, two years later, Hey, I see you. I see what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. And we moving in the right direction. I mean, I just, it's so real. It's so real. I just, it, I mean, hearing it directly from someone who's in the trenches, in the industry, I know Tasha and I say these things till we're blue in the face, but we really appreciate you, Romeo, really giving real life context to that and 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 giving our listeners some something to hope for too. It's like today today's lottery ticket. I can't promise you that your next conversation is going to be winning numbers, but you know, if you keep playing, you might get a winning four numbers or still a win in the Mega Millions. It's still a win. It's still a win. Absolutely. It's going to be some rejection. You take the you take the right L, that'll really tell you 
I got to change some things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. And with that, like, I really want to transition us to the what's next phase. I see you out there, your efforts on socials and your speaking engagements, driving information about access to training, you know, with the cyber and cloud, your DEI considerations around those initiatives. So let's segue into that space. Absolutely. So what's next right now? I have a passion and have always had a passion for training. That comes from when I was getting into the industry. We talked about being a music education major. I got to get some training somehow. And I didn't have a lot of money because as a musician, you're making in a lot of money while I wasn't making any money anyway. But to get into cybersecurity, I was studying for the Security Plus and I was working at the Geek Squad at Best Buy. Just opened. They just bought that brand out and I was studying there. Right beside the store was a Barnes and Noble and the cashier. And other cashiers there would keep a Security Plus book for me there and other books. And I would walk back and forth just to read the book because I couldn't buy it. They would keep books there for me and help me study. Sometimes they would even ask me questions. When I walked up, they would ask me a, a Security Plus question. They don't know anything about that, but they knew the answer because it was in the book. That's but so cool. They helped, <laughs> but they helped me study. That That's was so cool. for free. That was for free. They helped me do those types of things. And they were pouring into me because they saw I was really trying to get in this industry. I just didn't have any money or resources to do so at the time. So now it's really my time to give back in that space because folks want to get into cybersecurity, but everybody cannot afford a 10K boot camp or 20K boot camp. They're like cars, right? This is how I view it. Some folks have a car that could be a Honda. It could be a van, it could be a Rolls Royce, but they all gonna get you to point from point A to point B, right? However, everybody can't afford that Rolls Royce or that Bentley or whatever. They can't afford that. But what I can't afford, I can't afford, you know what, a little Honda that's gonna get me from here to there. And it's gonna do the job. I'm trying to be that Honda that's trying to get you from here to there. Let me help you with that training for low cost, no cost, or we can find out some scholarships that are out there for you. So recently, we partnered with ISC2 on their Certified in Cybersecurity Entry-Level Certification to really offer that towards historically Black colleges and universities, as I'm a product of, product of Norfolk State University. In addition to that, we're looking at low-income areas where we can offer these types of trainings and entry-level certifications, because that will not only change that person's life, but it'll have an impact on their family's life and their generation and the trajectory of where things are going. So that's the impact that we hope to have. That's absolutely amazing. And obviously Tasha and I are here to help with whatever we can do to help in our networks HBCUs and, and otherwise. So we'll, we'll definitely have a follow-up conversation. Everyone can expect to hear more on the evolution of this training program. And hopefully we'll be able to update also with some links to how to get to your training and, and other resources. On that resource thread, let's talk about partners, agencies. How can potential teaming partners, schools, universities, government agencies, others learn about Nelos? How do they get to you? So our website, Nelos.com, N-E-H-L-O-S.com. Please, if you 
are so desired. I would love for you to go there, contact us. Please let us know that, hey, we have some work that, or some things or initiatives that we have going on that we'd like to involve you with, or stop by and say hi. We, we like to talk with folks and build relationships as we talked about earlier. In addition to that, very heavy on LinkedIn. So Romeo G is, if you just happen to, to search within LinkedIn, I have my own site there. Romeo G, you'll see that, aka the cyber plug. Just like a plug, hey, I'm going to give you what you need. I'll, I'll get the training that you need. We can curate some training. We can make this work. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much, so much for joining us and uh, sharing with us your story, giving us those, those nuggets and those lessons learned. What you hear on the socials is, hey, you can get started in GovCon. Make $10 million. It won't happen in a day unless you got a very, <laughs> unless you got very <laughs> godmother, an angel, or somebody that's setting you up, because that's just not typical. But it is true. Teaming, subcontracting, opportunity exists in this space. It is right for businesses, but you just have to come in prepared and ready to work, willing to do some homework up front and willing to pull your sleeves up and dig in, as you stated having those backup plans, leveraging your network. If you don't have one, doing the doing the work to build that network, building those relationships. And there's plenty of avenues and means to do that, I think, in the space. And so thank you, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today. And with that, Yaz, we're going to have you close out. I can do that. Again, Romeo, thank you so much for joining. Thank you to all of our listeners and subscribers taking the time out to to hear us hopefully learn something um, get some access to some resources maybe you didn't have before or sparked an, an idea that maybe inspires you to to not take that rejection to heart and, and keep trying again again thank you for joining us on unveiled govcon stories a hive 39 media production with our guests romeo gardner of nilos and your host tasha and yaz please subscribe share like the podcast spread the word and definitely feel free to leave your ideas, thoughts, and comments. We love to read that stuff. Thanks again for joining. <laughs>